All right. Let's just get right to the elephant in the room. Clark, what's going on? Thanks Why do I have here. a Bruins jersey on my wall? Is that the elephant in the room? Well, you know what? Let's get that out of the way first. Why the <laughs> hell do you have a Bruins jersey on your wall? Pete didn't even say anything in our little no, pre-chat. I, pre-chat. Uh, I just This is actually, it's not a Boston Bruins jersey. I've had this jersey on my wall in, in videos before. Uh, it's an Estevan Bruins jersey from the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. And they just ended the longest winning streak in SJHL history, which was held by the Battleford North Stars. Uh, they had gone, I think, 36 games without losing a game in regulation to start the season this year. Uh, and Estevan just beat them 5 nothing over the weekend. Uh, and I used to work for the Bruins, so I had to give them a quick shout-out here on today's show because uh, that was a, it was a crazy season by Battleford so far, and they, they've continued their winning ways since. But they lost finally for the first time, and I just had to, to give a little quick shout-out for my Estevan Bruins. Well, I'm glad we got that part out of the way and we found out that you are not a devote Boston Bruin fan. My heart skipped a beat when I saw it, but we're all good now. Um, <laughs> you have to make sure that there's an SJHL logo right on the corner there. Just make sure everybody knows that's an SJHL logo. So just make sure. Got to get that out there. Make sure you got your eyes on the logo, folks. Not the big one, the little <laughs> one. Um, speaking of eyes on logos, last night uh, there was one logo missing for the Philadelphia Flyers in their pregame skate, and that was Ivan Provorov um, deciding not to take the skate um, for his own beliefs and religious background. Um, He's Russian Orthodox. Um, I'm going to say this. This is my opinion. Um, Take it for a grain of salt, whatever you want to take it for. If you have a platform, you need to use that platform to elevate others, to allow others to feel included a part of the game, a part of the room, a part of the sport that you play that is so desperately trying to bring everyone in, but yet still has so many strides to take to get there. And I'm not saying you have to push anyone else's beliefs aside, but at the same time, if you're trying to bring everyone in and have everyone understand, because once upon a blue moon, Russian players were not looked at as favorable players to be within the NHL. Okay, those players came into the NHL and they were scrutinized, they were bullied, they were pushed around, all of those things, and then you're accepted. I'm not comparing the two things. I'm just saying that you need to use your platform for bigger things than sitting out and saying, well, no, I'm not going to do it. Go skate with the guys you skate with. Go show some solidarity. But in the same breath, you can still say, I support my religion, I support this, and you know, move on with your day. But you took all of the spotlight that was meant to be on this wonderful night and the initiatives, the team, the NHL, and everyone has put forth and made it about you and what you did not do, not what others did do. And that really is what pisses me off. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's to me here. Yeah, I mean, what he did. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. Not a fan of it, James. I think, I think he should have gone out there. I think he should have worn the jersey. Um, I did do a little bit of research, saying because he's been in the league for seven years now. Like, has he always skipped this? And yes, he has. He, they used to wear tape on their sticks, and like, um, so he's just never had the tape the rainbow tape on his sticks, but still, regardless, I think he should, yes, hockey is for everyone. And I believe Provorov should have worn that Jersey, uh, regardless of his religious beliefs. I think it's ridiculous that he wasn't sat. Um, I think that Tortorella, we've heard his comments before. We've heard the kind of things he likes to say, people kneeling for the anthem, but he said he would bench people that would kneel for the anthem, but he's not going to bench someone for not wearing the the uniform that they were supposed to wear during warmups. I think it's a little ridiculous here. Now, Clark, I know you said you had a, a different take on this a little bit, not uh, agreeing with Provorov, but just a different spin. Um, you care to elaborate a little bit? Yeah, so definitely not. I'm going to start out by saying not in support of the move, the the decision to not bench or anything like along those lines. 
Um, definitely feel like, uh, you know, it could have been handled differently uh, on a lot of fronts. Uh, especially by the team itself. I think, I feel like it kind of was almost like, uh, nobody really knew how to react. So they just let it happen and then kind of just went along with it. Um, I feel like this could have been something where he approached the team in advance, let them know what was going on. Uh, they could have figured out a better way to handle this and got out in front of it. And they decided not to, they decided to let everybody figure out what was going on as it happened. I remember the tweets coming out. Uh, Provorov's not out for warmups, uh, and nobody quite knew why. And then it was, uh, why is he not out for warmups? Is he hurt? It takes, I, I remember seeing tweets. It takes a lot for Provorov to, to not play. If, if he's hurt, he usually plays through it. Stuff like that. So he, he must be hurt. Uh, and then to find out what it was uh, that way. I feel like the Flyers, it, it, of all, uh, obviously Provorov was in, you know, the societal wrong in that one. Uh, but I feel like the Flyers also, as an organization, a long-standing organization with a proud background and history, you know, how, however, you know, the, the proud history that they have, the alumni that they have, uh, the legacy that they have in the league, I feel like they, the, as a PR arm, they should have figured out a better way to get out in front of that and handle that. Um, but here we are. Uh, but the, the, I saw a tweet today that it just made me think for a little bit, at least. Um, not that... Uh, it made me change my mind on it, but the the way that Russia is as a country, uh, as a as a government, um, and the way that families are treated back home when people do stuff overseas, uh, and it just made me think of of that a little bit. And I, I mean, maybe Provorov was feeling a lot of pressure from someone, and whether that's a, a father, a mother, a uh, uncle. I don't know, but it made me think a little bit about maybe it's deeper than just Provorov making a personal stand. Maybe this was a family thing. Maybe this was a government pressure thing. And we don't, I don't know that. So it just made me think a little bit. It made me step back. And did it change my mind? No. But did it make me think a little bit about why it happened the way that it happened? Maybe a little bit more. It, it opened up my eyes a little bit because Russia, we all know this, but Russia is a different place. Uh, or different beast, yes. I don't think you want to mess with it. You don't want to mess with it because, let's just straight up say it, people go missing all the time in Russia. Like, people fall out of building windows. I've seen literal things where it's like, well, he fell out of a building window, and now we have to replace him. It's like, why did he fall out of a building window? Uh, so, like, I've seen that. Uh, so it's, it's a weird place over there. I don't know how it operates. Uh, and so it just made me step back a little bit and say, Maybe there is more to it than just his own personal thing. And that's all. That's all I wanted to say tonight, just because um, <clears throat> I don't think there's much out there uh, but negativity. Uh, and to add to it right now, I, I don't have much to say that's going to add to it or make it better. So I just wanted to add that slight perspective. I don't know how everybody feels about that, whether it's right or wrong. But it is Russia. So think about that. I, it made me think today. I do agree. You don't know who's back home for him. You also don't know who reached out to him from where and what. We saw the Panarin situation and how much that stressed him out in New York and how he had to take a leave to deal with that. One of the league's premier players stepping away. We saw what happened with the young Philadelphia Flyer prospect goaltender. Right. Same organization. Pete, me, me and you talked about that. You had a great video about it. So, you know, maybe there is already lines cast within that organization that you don't cross us. We got our yeah. eyes on you. You think what we did to him was bad. You go ahead and touch the ice. But in the same breath, like I'm saying, could have dealt with it differently. Like yeah. you said, could have got in front of it. Could have made a spin on it. Could have done something. But they didn't. So, to me... It's a boggle across the board by everyone involved. I really think that Provorov should have taken the ice, but again, we don't know the pressure. So I don't know. I just, I don't agree with it. Like I said, if you have a platform, you should use it to always elevate, include, and make things better for everyone around you, especially in the National Hockey League where there are so many barriers still that need to come down. You know, to put one back up on a night like that, where everything focuses on you kind of, it just sucks. It yeah. Just... And, and to build on that, James, like how hard would it have been to avoid 
all of this, we wouldn't have been talking about this if the day before, uh, oh, Ivan Provorov has an ankle injury. He's going to miss a day or two. And he's just not there. And then none of this is even being talked about. The pride night goes ahead with no problems. And that's the positivity. And then Provorov comes back for next game. What, I'll, give why you, I'll give you an even easier one than that. Provorov is having a skate blade issue. He can't get on the ice for warmups. Right. Like, Easy, I just feel like quick. there was, they, they should have known that he, they, they knew the pride night was coming for a while. So I'm sure that there was a conversation within the locker room or within the front office that this was probably going to be the case at some point. Definitely. So the fact that they weren't able to get out ahead of it well in advance of this and figure out a plan to avoid all of this terrible stuff. And it's not just that he didn't do it. It's the comments coming out of people who now feel like they might have some sort of voice against this type of stuff. And yeah. they're out there. And Twitter Twitter's a great place for those people. Uh, and just the fact that now, not that, that, I don't know, maybe they feel like, oh, well, I, I saw a few tweets and I'm not going to name names, but I stand with Provorov. You know, like this is giving them almost like a front man now. Uh, and it's just unfortunate that that had to happen. If they could have just somehow figured out a way to avoid this, there would have just been it straight up wouldn't have none of this would happen and it, that bothers me more than i think though what happened itself i think that bothers me more that there wasn't more foresight about this no definitely i mean it, it, it's a it's a crappy situation all around ladies and gentlemen but we had to start the show with that because obviously again here on our show clark i know i can probably speak for the rob peterson show and what you do it's all about inclusivity and making sure everyone has a voice and is welcome and feels they have a spot within the game that we all love. So Absolutely. that's the position that we come from here. And that's why we want to get out and talk about this because it just sucks. that so many good things that were supposed to be last night got overshadowed by a darkened cloud that really shouldn't have happened, but there's never an easy way to turn. So we're going to turn the episode towards the Maple Leafs and we're going to welcome you to offside hockey talk proudly brought to you by our friends. Over at Boxing Rock Brewing Co., be sure to check out the Puck Off Lagerdale. It's the absolute big beer for the big game. And speaking of big games, last night, the Toronto Maple Leafs. What a game, James. Had themselves <laughs> a, a game. hockey game. There were three teams playing last night. Oh, my it, God. Um, there's a lot to break down within that one game, that great storyline spinoffs for everything. So I look at this and I say, okay, Matt Murray, does Matt Murray need a reset? I'm saying this because if Elliot Friedman before the game is telling you what Matt Murray is doing and why goals are going in, then reiterating that with examples from said game that you're watching in the first intermission, I think there's a bit of a, a disconnect there. And when he was playing his best hockey for the Leafs, he was a 6'5 monster that was guarding the net properly. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, Matt Murray is no shrinking violet. He's 6'5". So he should be able to cover those corners standing up. Clark, you're with us tonight. What do you think of that? What do you think of Matt Murray? It's not panic button time, but is there is there a need for a little bit of a mind reset for Murray? I think so. Uh, first of all, shout out to Myron because he's in the comments. Roan Diggs. Uh, he, I just had to make sure he he was, I see you, Myron. Um, but yeah, Matt Murray, there, I saw an interesting video literally just before I came on here, and I'm glad I saw it. Uh, it popped up for me. A guy named James Phillips, I think. Uh, and uh, he's a goalie coach. Uh, I couldn't really figure out his whole background within the one video that I saw from him, but he's a goalie coach of some kind, goalie trainer. Uh, and he put out a really cool, um, it was like a screenshot almost of when the shot was taken. Um, kind of the shooting lane that there was kind of, there was like lines almost like you would see like tiger vision from tiger woods, 2004. Uh, there was like tiger vision, like lines going into the net and Murray was slightly off to the side. And I think that's kind of what Elliot Friedman was talking about where he's leaning a little bit, almost he's like cheating. he's cheating towards one side. Uh, and this guy basically said like, and it was a great point. Uh, this is the NHL. If you give guys two inches of space, uh, that they shouldn't have, they're going to probably score on you because they all have NHL shots. They're all very good shooters, regardless of how you, Morgan Riley's a really good shooter, even if you don't think he is. Uh, they all have really great shots. Uh, so th that was a really interesting point. I'm not, I'm no goalie expert. Um, I could maybe, 
I could see if my brother would come on here with you. He played pro goalie for a while, so uh, maybe he knows a little bit more than I would. But um, it just I think that there are some things that are, are, are easily fixable, it seems like, with Matt Murray. Um, and I think throughout the season we've seen um, really interesting swings with him where he looks rock solid, he's confident, he's got a little bit of swagger to him in there. Uh, you can see it. Uh, and then there are other nights where it's like, oh, that you probably should have had two or three of those. Um, and we've we've said that on, I've said that with you guys on the show. We've talked about it. Uh, so it's really interesting to see how we've kind of had the full gamut almost with him. We haven't had I mean, you could probably consider that game as his worst game of the season for sure. Uh, but we haven't had a game where he's let in like seven or eight goals or anything like that. So I don't think we've hit fully rock bottom necessarily with Matt Murray, but it's definitely a game that opened a lot of people's eyes to, okay, maybe he's not, maybe we're not ready to anoint him as our playoff starter yet. Uh, so I mean, it is January, so we'll see. But I, I, I think that there's definitely, I don't see anything that's like with Peter Morazic last year. <laughs> I saw, I saw a lot of things that were like, is this guy legit? Like, is he, yeah. is he a beer league goalie? Like <laughs> what's going on out there? I haven't seen that. I've seen small things, small positional things, stuff like that. So I think that it's definitely a thing that maybe you give him a couple games off. Maybe you give Sammy the next couple games. Uh, you, you get a lot of film review and maybe he's able to adjust a, a thing here or there. I don't think it's a major thing. I think it's definitely minor. What do you think, Pete? Um, we've seen great Matt Murray, and we've seen last night. I mean, we saw really bad Matt Murray. We saw, what was it, four goals on eight shots. Not the best game. I mean, even in the Boston game, he had Pasternak goal still bugs me. He was he was cheating on that shot. Like you say, Claire, he's been cheating with his blocker. Um, yeah. There's, he's, but don't get me wrong. He's making fantastic saves. He's keeping us in games here and there. I mean, that Dallas game, unbelievable. Um, but I like that we can we pull him from the game. I like that we can put Ilya, Ilya Samsonov in. He looked fantastic last night. I think he got the third star. But uh, I, I'm just nervous for playoffs here. I'm getting a little nervous. Like, who's going to be our certified starter? Is it going to be Murray? Is it going to be Samsonov? We need someone that's just going to be consistent. And uh, right now, January hasn't been our best goaltending month. So hopefully um, they can figure it out, peak at the right time, and hopefully uh, get, us a, get us through a playoff round. Listen, I didn't know yeah, Leafs Pop was on here tonight. <laughs> I didn't, what was that? It was a shot at your uh, your worrisome woes about Murray. Listen, Matt Murray had a bad game. Mm. It happens. Had a couple bad games. Cool. It happens. Go yeah. back and look at all the goaltenders within the league. Uh, Gorgia for Colorado this season, not doing the greatest. But uh, go back and just look. Guys have bad games. But guys have a few bad outings. But what I always say is it's the team in front of you that bails out the goaltender on those bad outings. That's the mark of a good team, and that's what Toronto did last night. But there's one goal, before we get into the ref stuff here, the one goal I want to know. Austin Matthews scores, but the net is knocked off, but they still count it. I like the fact that they count it. I agree with what the broadcast said about that goal, but I want to know what you guys think. Should that goal have counted? And if it didn't, does it open a floodgate for goalies to do the Matt Murray, they're calling it now. The Matt Murray. Uh, yeah, there's oh, – first of all, I think that the whole knocking the net off thing is a league-wide thing. And it's not Matt Murray's fault. It's like, not Matt Murray. It, but he's the most egregious guy. For sure. I mean, it definitely has happened a couple more times with him. But, um, yeah, that whole knocking the net off thing, I think that needs to be like a league-wide league -wide review on how nets are put into the ice because – I just feel like they're all really loose nowadays and you see it more and more and not just one guy, it's multiple guys. Um, definitely a goal, uh, especially because there was no physical contact with anybody else. It was simply Bobrovsky, like basically right before the shot, inching the net. Like he, he was trying to get a little bit closer because obviously he saw Austin Matthews and he's like, I need to get my shoulder in the top corner or this is going to be a goal. Uh, so he was trying to do that. I think that's what he was doing knocks the net off by like half an inch. It barely came off. Uh, so that's 100% a goal every single time. 
just one more thing really quick on the Murray stuff. Um, I think for a lot of years, and I think us, uh, our generation, the three of us, um, came up in like the, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. You know, goalie stats during those times were very high. If you think back to the days where you had guys like Dominic Hasek, for example, Marty Brodeur, they would have save percentages in the 920s, 930s on a regular basis. Like this was a regular thing. If you didn't have a, a 915 to 925 save percentage, you were considered not that good. I feel like it's really, really declined in the last five or six or seven years simply because offense is so much better league-wide. There's so much skill now. Uh, guys can take advantage of such small, like we said earlier, margins of errors. If you're off a little bit, they're, it's going in. Uh, so I'm just looking at, you know, the stats here. And, I, you, you, Pete, I love what you said, four goals and eight shots. And then Sammy came in and played great. And in years past, we haven't had that. It, you know, a bad night usually got worse uh, for a lot of those situations. Uh, when Hutchinson would go in or whoever, <laughs> uh, whoever would go in, it would just, it seemed to always just get worse. It would pile on uh, our goalies. And I say are as, as a Leafs fan, but Leafs goaltenders right now have a nine sixteen and a nine eleven save percentage. Like that's, that's pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> uh, we complained for years that we, you couldn't get a guy. I mean, Freddie was a nine seventeen on a, on his good years, right? We got two of those guys now. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that we're able to have a tandem like that, with two guys who can come in and you know what, maybe they don't have great nights every single night, but there's a decent chance that they're going to each give us, give you a chance to win on any given, any given night. And I think that this is something that we probably aren't used to as Leaf fans. Like I thought about it yesterday when Sammy came in, I'm like, yeah, we have Ilya Samson off. Like, this is pretty cool that we have Sammy uh, coming in and Matt Murray started uh, as much as he gets ragged on. He's still Matt Murray. So like the fact that we have two of these guys uh, plus nine, 10, Nine ten plus save percentages. Um, it's been a while. It's been a while. I think we're a little bit spoiled. I don't know if we know how to react. I don't know if we know how to act as a fan base. I think overall this fan base is not used to this. Having a good team for so long, it seemed for a while there, the fan base was a lot happier being at the bottom of the league and not totally. having nice shiny toys. Everybody seemed to get along a lot better in those days. Um, but yeah, having a guy like Sonar come in and absolutely shut the door on that Gustav Forsling chant where he kicked up his leg and that was just oh my pure goodness. reaction, but he did it and he kept the puck out of the net, but he shut down 11 shots, didn't allow any momentum to get going for the Florida Panthers. You got to love it, man. He made a huge breakaway save in the third as well. It was, I don't know if that was the Forsling shot, but that was yeah, phenomenal. Was absolutely phenomenal. Um, to keep rolling within this game, another thing for me was I loved, loved the camaraderie between the guys. Austin Matthews getting those cross checks from Lawson Krause takes Krause's feet out from under him, but in comes Superman Bunting, and then Jordy Ben saw the red mist. Everybody's in there in melee, throwing hands, getting up in each other's face. Clark, you know, you know, I've been talking about this for a while. When this team comes together like that you're fucked because yeah, totally. when they play like that, they play for one another. It, their levels all go up. Everybody on the ice goes up and everybody stands a bit taller. And that leads me to saying Ben needs to play more. Ben needs to be for a little while here. He's good enough on defense. He had a couple of diving pass breakaway things last night where he broke up plays that were TJ Brody esque laying on his belly to get it done. And he did it. So I want him in the lineup because he's also a, a physical deterrent for the other team. But I love the fact that, uh, you know, who was it? Uh, it was, I think it was, was it Bunting that stood up to Gudis? You know, and basically Gudis. Angle. Just I think it was, it wasn't, uh, was didn't Reece. Angle get into it? Was no, it was right. Aston Reese that made him turtle, yeah. But didn't yeah. Engvall at one point stand up to him a couple times too? Like, he got in there. He stood He, stood he clipped Engvall and got a penalty for that. Yeah, yeah Angle got right in his face after that hit. But yeah. I look at it like this. When you got a guy like Ben in your lineup, everybody stands up. I love Simmer. Okay, don't get me wrong. And, Div, if you're listening, I'm not lagging on your boy. But Simmons is a step behind now, and we all know that. Okay? It just it is what it is. Okay, in the Bruins yeah. game, he looked great. But as the game tallied on, he wasn't as effective. 
if if I could say one thing about that Bruins game and Wayne Simmons, uh, sorry, Div in advance, because I know Div loves loves him. Uh, I saw so many comments are like, see, this is why you have Wayne Simmons in the lineup. And fair. Um, but that was the most veteran savvy fight I've ever seen in my entire life. Those yeah. were two guys that were trying to spark a Saturday night crowd in Boston. There's Nick Felino and Wayne Simmons. They played together uh, whenever it was. Uh, was it two years ago already? Is that two years ago? Yeah. Holy cow. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> uh, they played together. Man. Oh, my gosh. They played together. I don't know if either of them landed a punch. Uh, they threw some big one. But I don't know if any of them actually really landed. Uh, they, they, they swung. They, they flung around. Uh, they fell down a couple times. I don't know if any of them either. I don't know if either of them actually hit a landed a punch. Uh, that was a veteran savvy fight. It looked great, uh, but no damage at all was done. And it was right at the beginning of the game. Uh, and I, I just I think that uh, that was uh, Nick Foligno, Wayne Simmons being like, "Hey, let's fire up the crowd. We don't have to hurt each other. Let's just have some fun with it." Because you saw them; they were they were laughing the whole time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, I a little, little pats too at the end. Yeah, totally. Um, so I, I love what they did. I think it was a great move. But the crowd that immediately said, see, this is why Simmons needs to be in the lineup, I wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> I don't think that has anything to do with it. I like J, uh, Jordy Ben in the lineup so much more because, A, he's playing a lot more. Um, he has a much bigger role when he's out there. And there's a lot of people also that are saying, well, I think Radko Gudis would be a good fit on the Leafs. I think we have a cheaper version of him already. I don't even know if we need Radko Gudis, especially after what we saw last game. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, I think we're good. I don't know. I don't think we need him. No, I, like I said, I'm sticking with the model. Ben needs to play more. I love it. I'm fine Again, with that. last year, what was I asking for at the trade deadline, Clark? I wanted a minute munching, shot blocking, net front clearing defenseman. Now, he doesn't munch as much minutes, but he does all those other things that I like. So, yeah. I mean, you does yeah. that, no? Geo does that, and Geo can play in the minutes too. Oh my yeah. gosh, the shot blocks he was throwing down the last couple yeah. games! My goodness, Geo is worth every penny. Was it the every Boston penny. game or the Florida game where he like broke an ankle on a shot block? I think I cheered louder for that than any of the goals scored in the last couple of games. <laughs> He's a beast, but he comes back every yeah. shift. Unreal. Like I, I was saying on Sunday night to you guys, Pete, that guy needs. He's gonna need a break. He's going to literally need – like, he doesn't want one, but he's going to need one for the – And he's in the league right now too, right? Like, he is going to yeah. run out of gas soon. We need TJ Brody back. And, yeah, give him a break right now. He's he's looking good. He's blocking shots. And, he's man, he's keeping up with these kids. So, like, shout out to Gio. Yeah. But there's there's your Jordy Ben replacement. He can give him a game off every once in a while. Just get mm – -hmm. you get another savvy vet in there. Uh, I think that's a great fit. Uh, shout out to Myron for the uh, Ric Flair impersonation in the comments. Uh, the limousine riding, jet flying. Woo! Um, <laughs> Jordan, but yeah, I, th I, I think definitely um, that's definitely it. Now, I, I think I said this before way back, James. Like, you know that I've been saying this for a while. I don't think a guy – I'm going to even lump Radko Gudis a little bit into this conversation, but a lot of people want – some lug on defense to come in thinking that that's going to solve a bunch of problems. And I really think if you're going to go out and get a defenseman, I've said it before, I keep saying it until we're past the trade deadline, but I think it's got to be a bigger impactful guy. You got to swing a little bit bigger. I think, like I said before, like the B level, B plus level guy, maybe, especially if you're getting a forward as well in a package yeah. or something or two separate trades. I think it's got to be at least that. I don't think we need another depth third pair, maybe guy. Um, Luke Shen's name comes up a lot. He's fun. Um, that's fun to talk about because he leads the league in hits and all this stuff. There's maybe an exception for some guys in that talk, but I still think overall, if you're going to go out and get somebody, it's got to be a guy who can have a similar impact to what like TJ Brody usually brings on a nightly basis. Maybe he's bigger. Maybe he's more physical. I don't know, but it's got to be in that realm or I just don't think it's worth it. I think there's guys in this lineup that we don't need an extra guy to, you know, practice with Connor Timmons and practice on the fifth pair. I just, I think we got enough of those guys. I, I, just, I think if we're going to do it, the Leafs are going to go out and make a move for anybody. It's got to be somebody who can take, probably take minutes away from Giordano at some point. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. in the top four, not, uh, 
not on the bottom pair. Like it, it's got to be somebody who can be that guy. Uh, and there aren't many of those guys, especially not ones that are available. So it's going to be a tight market, I think. The the only name that I could think of is uh, is Matias Ekholm. To be honest with you, he'd be wonderful. But the price would be way, 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 way out of the Leafs' willingness to pay. Um, we will get into a couple of uh, things here for trade wise in a moment. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm the probably jumped the gun a little bit on that. that you're <laughs> perfectly fine, my friend. You know the show. We go everywhere and come back again. Um, the refing in the game was a was hot fine. topic. It was a hot topic across every board. I don't care what you say. It was not fine. It was horrendous. It was absolutely murderful. Um, how do you put a guy in the box from the other team, then take him out of the box, put a guy in the box from the other team again? That was so strange. And say, yeah, sorry, we got that wrong. You weren't. He was. But you will because he is. I'm, I'm still confused on that penalty, James. What did he? Where was the interference? Can I, uh, can I put out my theory? So uh, I think what it was, and first of all, it wasn't even Lilligren that did it. It was Angval that did it. I think the I think the penalty was called when Angval pushed the goalie stick from the slot into the crease, and it got in the way of who was even the Bruin? What that was? Was it who was the Bruin? I can't was remember Pastern- who was battling in front. Was it Pasternak or who was it? I don't even know. Whoever the brew was it? Wait, hold on. It was Florida. <laughs> it was <laughs> not the Mutt Boston. Uh, it was Florida. It was um, was it Verhege or was it Bennett? Maybe it was Bennett. It was Bennett, think, Bennett. because yeah. Bennett went oh, yeah. in the box. Yeah, there you go. So it was Bennett. So it was Engvall when he pushed the stick from the from the slot into where Bennett was. It prohibited him from skating, and I think that was called interference. That he pushed a stick into where he was standing, so he stepped on it and slipped or something. Which is terrible. <laughs> that's a stupid call. That's, uh, that's awful. Uh, and then Lilligren got it, and he. I even remember seeing him uh, the on the bench when the referee came over. He's like, "But I was behind the net. <laughs> I didn't push the stick. I wasn't even there. <laughs> what are you talking about? I was battling with Bennett coming out from behind the net. <laughs> How would I push the stick? It was in the slot. Uh, so I just, then the ref was like, I don't know, just get in the box. Um, yeah, we're, we're trying yeah. to resolve this. Just go in the box. But a lot of things in that game were just so weird and ticky-tacky, and it went both ways. Um, it's mind-blowing. But there was something that was brought up, and they brought this up as the reason why there may have been some penalties called against Florida that were a little cheapish. Him and uh, St. Laurent, I think his name is. The, the referee um, um, had a battle in 2016 and he ejected Paul Maurice from the game for things that Paul Maurice had said. So, and apparently, apparently every game that Paul Maurice and this ref has been in has been a penalty filled affair. Welcome to the referee show. Welcome to the NHL where the refs are the star of the show. And yeah, that's the case. That guy needs to never get a, that guy needs to never be assigned to Paul Maurice's game ever again. And he might even need to be assigned some American Hockey League games if that's the way he's going about his career. That's terrible. That was brought up on um, Locked on Leafs. Shout out to them. They are my uh, official 4 a.m. at the gym listening podcast. So, yeah, so <laughs> if we, I can just uh, you go to the gym at 4 a.m. Oh, buddy, I'll take a picture and show you tomorrow. Let's okay. go. I will that's, send that's it to you in the group. Right there. Um, here's just a quote. Uh, this is from George Richards on Twitter. He's a Panthers reporter. Uh, Paul Maurice on the NHL. They flew us out West, then back, then up here, then threw those two officials at us. I don't know what the hell those guys were doing tonight. That was a post game quote. Uh, that was in the media that he said that mm-hmm. Sheldon oh, Keefe said, Sheldon Keefe said, what the F are you doing? That was a brutal effing call in the game, in the heat of the moment. He got fined, and Paul right. Maurice outwardly said that on them in the media. Right. Crickets today. Where? Nothing. What's going on there? That I'm is interesting. Uh, and I, I will mean, tell I you if... why, Pete. Or sorry, Clark. It's because of what I just said. Because that Ryan and Maurice have that history. That's them allowing Maurice to have a little leeway because of the history and the problems. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that that referee probably had a stern talking to 
a finger wag, if you will. I hope so. From what's his name, Stephen Walkham, the uh, the head of officiating for the NHL. If you're holding a seven year grudge on a guy and you're going to ruin a game seven years later because of it, that's ter- you that's that's not your job. That's not your job. You're going against everything in your job's description. You're supposed to be non-biased. You're supposed to be impartial. And that's completely against it. So if that's actually the case, and I kind of hope at this point it is, because I think it would be a really good story, uh, that's awful. That needs to be investigated heavily, because that you can't have that. That's ruining the sport. That's ruining betting lines. That's ruining playoff hopes. That's ruining everything. You can't have that in the NHL. It just it, It's stupid. Yeah, I implore you to go listen to the Locked on Leafs um, bit of that show. They had the actual statistics and how it's been following since 2016. That's where I'm pulling that from. And uh, obviously those two guys work within sports media, one for Sportsnet, one for TSN. So obviously they have their finger on the pulse and they can get different information that we don't have. So that was interesting to hear. But also, let's go forward. I'm also noticing that the Panthers – the the Panthers don't play the Arizona Coyotes over the next little while so that they don't need any money for any promotional nights or anything apparently in Arizona. So that's maybe why they didn't find them either. Maybe that was part Ooh, of it. That is funny. Ah, there you go. Look at Clark. He go. Drawing the line. <laughs> Another player, though, Lightning. that I want to talk about right before we jump uh, jump around a little bit here is Dryden Hunt. A lot of people are upset uh, about that trade, don't like the trade, yada, yada, yada. Dryden Hunt's a player. Who doesn't Dryden like Hunt that, a, James? Dryden Hunt is a guy that the Leafs need. He plays physical. He hits anything that moves. He'll get up in your face. He'll drop the mitts. He scored a goal last night. The kid can play hockey. I like what he brings to this team. He's a little ball of asshole, basically. Mm-hmm. If he got his beak going a little bit more, I think he'd be the perfect kind of guy on the bottom roll because guys – he would get under guys' skin. Can not only would he hit you, fight you, but chirp you. Oh, that's a coach's yeah. wet dream right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think Pete, for to say what you you to answer your question of who didn't like the trade. I think there's probably a group of people out there that said, "How did we not trade Malgin for Chikrin? Uh, what the heck? What the heck? How did we not get Chikrin for that?" I forget about uh, those people. <laughs> they're they're out there. They're yeah. all over the place. Um, the fact that we got an equal value player for Dennis Malgan of all people. People were upset about it that we didn't get more. Uh, but I, I think Dryden Hunt, he's a good old Western boy, uh, as as the, the great Don Cherry used to say. He's a good old prairie boy. Uh, and <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, his roots in, in Regina, Moose Jaw, Medicine Hat, might have something to do with how he plays now. Just going to say that. Uh, but he the thing about that, too, is like, look at the goal Dryden Hunt scored. Look how he scored it. He went to the net hard tapped it in on a, on a really good path. Um, he's that type of guy. He's going to get those goals. And I think that those goals are important come uh, April, May, June. Uh, and that's a really good guy to have in the lineup. And I think it's going to cause some issues in a good way for the coaching staff when the, all the moves are said and done, if there are any moves. Uh, and maybe we'll, I'll get to that in a second too. If you saw my latest TikTok video, producer Clark. Ooh, TikTok. At TikTok. Um, also shout out Rachel Dory. Uh, we'll get to that later too. Um, but, uh, they're, they're going to, he's putting them in a tough spot because he's playing a type of game that they really need in the lineup and it's hard to take him out. And there are some guys coming back from injury. They just had to send Pontus Holmberg down, uh, because I, I have a that. feeling that we that's because certain that. guys will talk about that. Okay. I'll hold, I'll hold that. Um, but yeah, he's, he's playing a game that it's hard to take him out of the lineup right now. It's kind of how Connor Timmons was, honestly. Similar to how Connor Timmons got in the lineup and put up a bunch of points, and then he had to give them a reason to take him out of the lineup, which, yikes. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I think Dryden Hunt, he's a great – he plays a great game, uh, kind of like an Ast- the way Aston Reese plays. Um, and But he's younger. or I think, yeah, I think they're, he's younger for sure. Uh, but he, I think he has an offensive touch, and guys, I saw him in junior for several years. Uh, he has an offensive touch. He has a really good uh, dynamic when it comes to that. He just had to change his game in order to make it in the league. Uh, but I think if you just let him settle in and, and let him get comfortable with the guys and more chemistry, I think we might see a Dryden Hunt come out that could surprise a lot of people in terms of offensive game too. So I hope it gets to that point, but we'll see because uh, it is the NHL. It's a hard league to score goals in, so we'll see what it ends up being. But 
I like that guy a lot. It's pretty Thank cool you. to see that Kyle Dubas turned um, Dennis Malvin into this guy. It like underrated GM. Am I wrong? So like I love I love these small deals he does and just flips it into something else. And here we are, Dryden Hunt looking like a stud. Listen, if you can flip a guy that you're not going to use on your roster into someone who's useful on your roster, hello, uh, Curtis Douglas for Connor Timmons. These are not right. little deals. These are deals for players that are having an impact on your NHL roster. But because Boy Wonder hasn't got out of the first round, he'll never get the love that he should get, which is ridiculous, to say the least. You know, it's a game played with a frozen biscuit on ice. Bounces go teams' ways. They don't go some teams' ways. You know, what, what does Steve Dangle always say? The playoffs are just straight googie duke, right? They just happen. Yeah. They, yeah. You know, any team can win in the playoffs. That's why it's a fresh new season. But we'll keep moving. How about uh, Pontus Holmberg? He sent down. The Marlies are going on a six-game road trip. Obviously, it's because players are coming back. Um, Clark, what do you think here? Uh, first reaction was... Well, he's probably one of the only guys that doesn't need waivers. Uh, second reaction was, well, TJ Brody must be coming back, so that's good. Mm. Uh, oh, he's talking to TikTok. I was like, James, I can't hear you. <laughs> Sorry. I just blew your cover. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I think that that was my first two things. I'm like, well, A, don't want to lose anyone on waivers. B, TJ Brody's coming back. Uh, has Pontius Holmberg been great? Yes. But also, Alex Kerfoot's playing fourth-line center right now. We have that. <laughs> we have that luxury of having a guy like Alex Kerfoot who can just go down there if you need him to. And yes, he makes three and a half million dollars, but he's also already on the roster. We don't have to do anything with it. So it's not like he's hurting us making three and a half million dollars at the moment uh, because he's just there uh, and he can play that role. So I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Uh, and we've seen other guys step up. Uh, Engvall and Kemp is playing great lately. So that third line is just fine, regardless of if Kerfoot's on it or not. Um, so, I think that Pontus Holmberg going down, has he been great? Yes. Uh, but would I rather just not lose someone on waivers? Also, yes. Because it probably would have been Dryden Hunt or somebody like that, that we were, probably would have lost because the league mm. lose everybody on waivers. So uh, it was, it was a, that was, I think, the main reason for it. I don't think it was like, well, he's not playing good enough. I don't think it had anything to do with that. But that was uh, a lot of people's questioning, I think, when they saw it, was why would they send him down? Uh, I think it's just because they didn't want to lose anybody. I saw a trade, no trade, <laughs> making room for for something. Yeah, it's oh coming yeah, up, they're guys. opening up a roster spot. Yeah, oh. <laughs> no. yeah. What's, gonna what's gonna happen here? Dude, Listen, I said it in our chat up. last night, guys. I said if the Leafs lost that game to Florida, it would remind me of the loss to Arizona last year, where they made the late night trade for Ilya Labushkin mm. to shake up the roster a little bit. I felt maybe something like that was coming if the Leafs couldn't wake it up and get it done, but they got it done. But I still I still think there are moves to be made for this team, and I'm going to cross one big name off the board for the Maple Leafs, and that is going to be Bo Horvat. The yeah. price for Bo, Hor Bo Horvat coming from Gino Retta today is just through the what roof. What is it? I, I missed it. What is it? Jim? Carolina had inquired about getting Bo Horvat. They were told the asking price was a young NHL-ready center, a first-round pick, plus, plus, plus. Plus, plus, plus. Okay. I saw one today that was from Boston. Now, I don't know if this was a fan rumor or not. I didn't really get a great look at it, but I did see it. And, I, and my boy uh, on TikTok, TKD Max BJJ, which is Max Mainville, who's a Austin, awesome Boston Bruins fan. I'll give him credit. And he's also from Saskatchewan, so I got to give the guy uh, a big shout out. Um, but he retweeted it and was like, this is ridiculous. But it was uh, it was Lysel, Carlo, a first round pick, Brett Harrison, who's another top prospect for them, and maybe one other thing. Uh, and that was Horvat and Shen. Now that was obviously the two of them. But it was still their top prospect in Lysel, already a established NHL defenseman in Carlo. A first-round pick, which Boston—I don't know if they have many of them because they're they're empty in the cupboard. Uh, Harrison, I think, was a first-round pick recently for them, or maybe a second-round pick. Uh, and I feel like there was something else, like I said. So uh, that's expensive. So that would for the Leafs. Let's look at it. Let's do the old. What if this was the Leafs talk? That would be probably Timothy Lilligren for the Carlo portion. That would probably be 
Well, Nick Robertson's hurt, so it would probably be Matthew. Probably Matthew Nyes, I would think, for that Lizell portion. You mm-hmm. got a first round pick in there, which at least have a couple of. Uh, Harrison would probably be a Topi Niemela. He's a forward, but it would probably be a him or or Hirvonen or somebody like that. And then what about a Joseph Wall? Something maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. But like that's expensive. And like I, I Bo Horvat's great, but is he going to be here after this year? Like I think Boston's going to have money at least opening up, so they could probably throw an extension at a guy like Horvat. But the Leafs probably can't. Uh, so you're getting Horvat for a rental. Shen's. I don't know who knows with Shen necessarily. Maybe he signs for a cheap year or two after this. I'm not sure. Uh, but that's a lot to spend if it's nice and if it's if it's Liljegren and if it's a first and if it's yeah. another prospect for Horvat. And then do we want Horvat in the lineup? Yeah. Um, but if you're thinking long term, that's really tough to do. Absolutely. Well, here's the big thing for Boston too is you're looking for a succession plan for Patrice Bergeron. You trade for Bo Horvat, you sign him to an extension, blah, 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 you have your number one center. That takes over for Patrice Bergeron. You're to sign Pasta, yeah. too. Yep. Well, I think that would help you sign Pasta, to be honest, because then he'd know the path the team is on, who mm-hmm. is going to be on that squad going forward, et cetera, et cetera. Right? It makes it a lot easier when you can see who you'll be playing with. So I can see that being a really good fit. Another guy going to Boston that I really think is going to be in the black and gold is Timo Meyer. That's the guy I think they're targeting. And I don't like it, but that's what I'm thinking they're going after. Damn, Boston's <laughs> going to be good, eh? Well, part <laughs> I mean, of that they're... trade, too, is it. Yeah. They always get the big guy. They have for years. Um, and they've only won one Stanley Cup in the last uh, 15 years. So I'll just say that. But um, they have one, one more than us and plenty more playoff rounds. So I think they have that on us. I won't say any more. But if, if you're looking at that Horvat thing and Brandon Carlo is a piece of that, he's got a, he's on a five-year deal for $4.1 million at the moment. So that clears that up long-term. Uh, and uh, that and then you said Bergeron's probably done. Uh, Krejci's done, but Krejci's cheap. He's, he's on a $1 million contract. So that's nothing really for them. Um, but I think that opens up a lot of doors if you're clearing up that much cap space for the future. Um, maybe you can even figure out a way to keep a Meyer long-term too. Uh, so I think that uh, we are, we're all right in Boston off as they're done after this year, but I just worry that they're going to find a way to find a guy that's going to stick around. They and, always yeah. do. It's, I, they always do. I didn't have them making the playoffs this year. I mean, now I look like a sick joke, but like they always find a way. They somehow sneak into the playoffs. They go on a deep playoff run. Like he said, they've won one standing up in the last 15 years, but they made it to the finals three times in that those 15 years. So, yeah. like, they always have a good team, and it it's so aggravating. In fact, the whole city of Boston, they're so spoiled with their sports teams. And yeah. poor little Toronto here, we were lucky to even sniff a, a second-round playoff. <laughs> oh, Pete. Listen, it's going to happen this year. That's all I'm going to say. I hope so. That's happening nice. this year. I'm still going to cheer for them if they get bounced in the first round, but I'm just – it's going to hurt. Listen, here's the thing, and I said this on Sunday night. Clark, I'll say it with you here. The Leafs have – Oh, I watched. I yeah, watched. There you go. I know you watched. <laughs> I know you watched Saucy Biscuits. He, he, he's yeah, bringing the Marlowe, and I'm not talking Patrick. <laughs> Listen, the Leafs – yeah, it took a minute for Pete to get that one. Yeah, um, it did. It did. The the Leafs have three months or more, whatever, to study the Tampa Bay Lightning, figure out what to do. Tampa is apparently loading up with everybody under the sun. They can't have them all. They won't get them all. The Leafs will make moves. Some guys on the Leafs are starting to look like they fit. Hello, Pontus Holmberg, Dryden Hunt. Uh, Bobby McMahon looks like a player as well. I'm not mad at what he's been doing right this second. People may disagree with me. Uh, we're going to talk about Morgan Riley in a minute as well. Coming back and starting last night, maybe to look a little bit like himself, wheeling and dealing and doing the right things. And what did I say, Pete, about Mo that he needed to do? Keep it simple. Kept it pretty simple last night. One of his best games since being back. But this team now is showing they have forward depth that they can use. They have defensive depth that they know they can use. 
So now they're like, okay, we don't need the depth piece. That's what I'm trying to say here. They need the over the top piece is what they need to go get. And that's where their energy should be focused. What puts us over the top? And when Austin Matthews was out, it looked like they needed one more big piece up top. And if you have that with Matthews in the lineup, it allows you to shuffle down Yarn Croak, who's been playing good. Kerfoot could be your luxury third line center. All of a sudden, guys are slotted where they need to be. And you got two top lines that if you want to go the Bruce Cassidy method with the Boston Bruins, when they played the Leafs, they switched Pasta down the line. Go ahead, move Marner and Pasta, or move Marner and Nylander, all those guys, to switch it up. Start throwing different looks at teams because they all know they can play together. But one thing you need to stop doing, stop running that five-man forward power play. It's not working. <laughs> it's not working. It's not working. Put Riley there. It looks so much better with Riley there. He was a true power play quarterback. It looked no, well. You notice too, late in the game they did throw my, Riley back on there. I think that's what I mean. Florida, a couple of a couple of the times, and it, it they calm it calmed it down. I really feel like it did. It calmed it down. Uh, so that's an interesting kind of point to make too. How many goals on the power play did they score last night? Not many. They had about seven plus a penalty shot. Yeah, I yep. think yeah. that uh, <laughs> I think that I'm just reading Myron's comments again. Uh, I think uh, I think that they scored the one like Matthews at the end of the period there, and yep. then I don't think there nice. was a power play in the third. Like I think the, they didn't call a penalty the rest of the way. Pretty sure it's just the the penalty shot. The, I, I think, think that was earlier though. I, I'm pretty sure the last it. penalty was called at the end of the second period is the goodest one, and then all third period there was no penalties, and all overtime there's well. There wasn't really a need for a penalty in overtime. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it was a clean game after that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, interesting, though. But they had a lot of opportunities early and a lot of nothing. Well, I want to ask you guys the honest question. Morgan Riley signed his big deal. Now, because he's come back from his injury and not looked the greatest, started to look okay last night, in my opinion. But now everyone's saying this is an albatross of a contract. That Morgan Riley is not worth the money. We should trade him out of town. Look, the Leafs always need a whipping boy. Justin Hall's been playing quietly pretty good, so people can't focus on him. Kerfoot's down in the bottom six doing well, so people can't focus on him. So who do you go to? Well, Morgan Riley, he's a minus five. Yeah. So we got to start picking on someone. Listen, guy's coming back from an injury. Let him get his wheels back. Let him get up to speed. You're also asking this guy to go from not playing to playing 20-plus minutes a night. Power play quarterback, all these other things. Not only that, too, James, but they brought him back, and they're like, okay, I know you were playing with TJ Brody before. Uh, That was fun. Uh, But you're going to play with Connor Timmons now 20-plus minutes a night. Just just you gotta you gotta deal with it. Who's gonna dish uh, you a, a pass at the blue line and give it to Pasta? And I, I hate to rag on Simmons, but because uh, he has been solid, he's been great, but he had a really rough game. Uh, yep. And did Riley help him? Maybe Riley also didn't help him. I don't know. Uh, uh, I know that like there was a Kiprios quote that came out afterwards about that. So like they've been talking about that too. Uh, but like, yeah, come back from injury. Maybe you're not fully ready and let's put you on, on a pair with a guy you've never played with before, uh, who has just got acquired, just has 50 games of NHL experience, uh, and good luck. Uh, go, go be Morgan Riley. Go be the guy yeah. we gave $7 million to. So I think that plays a bit of a role in that as well. Uh, just wait until TJ comes back because we know how calming of a presence TJ Brody is. Uh, let him get back up there calm down the lines a little bit. I know, I know Pete, that's why I keep saying it. Cause that's a great Jersey purchase. Cause I love that player. He just does so much for the lineup. Uh, whenever he's in, you can tell the difference. He just, mm. he calms it down. He stabilizes it. He, he's not an overly present defenseman. Like I don't think there's many games, Pete, where we've said TJ Brody was the difference in that game. But I think because he's out there, he makes such a big difference, just calming everything down and, and stabilizing it. So no, 100% that's, agree that's his you. effect. That's his effect. It is. Well, one thing, like I talked about earlier with Jordy Ben, right, blocking the passes, going down on the two-on-ones, that's a TJ Brody special, right? Yeah. So when he's healthy, and obviously you could tell he wasn't healthy because he wasn't doing those things, and everybody's like, why does TJ Brody look like he lost a step? 
Well, it's much like Jack Campbell last year playing with a bruised rib, you know, not fun. So whatever he's got going on rib wise, try diving on the ice and dragging your carcass, you know, and letting it hit all around where it hurts. It's not going to be fun. Not to mention the puck hitting off it as well. So I hope though, because we don't need him to be rushed. We got a four point cushion on Tampa right now. Let TJ Brody take the time to get back and be the defenseman we all love him for. That makes four, what, four, seven, five? Not too shabby. Five even, but yeah. In and around there, but around not there. too shabby for a defenseman who provides that stabilization for the, the Leafs T. A guy that, for me, it goes for stabilizers, it's Brody Geo. Because yeah, Geo. Totally. Geo stabilizes whoever he's with, whether it's Sandine, whether it's Lilligren, whether it's Riley, whether it's Hall of Famer. Doesn't matter. I think it's been Hall. Like I think it I think a big reason that Justin Hall got through the stretch where he, they were the top pair because of injury was because Mark Giordano was so good beside him too. Uh and I think he allowed Geo's presence out there allowed Justin Hall to be more of himself, which is what Jake Muzzin did. And I think we all think of Justin Hall as this defensive guy, and he is because they put him out there for all the defensive zone time. But I think when Justin Hall's at his best, he's also joining the rush every once in a while. He's getting involved a little bit more. So I think that Geo allowed him to do that, and I think gave him a comfort level for him to maybe maybe express that a little bit more. Um, but I, I've said it for a while, Justin Hall this year, uh, has shown so much and been put into such a huge role that I don't think everybody sees because it's not goals and assists. It's time on ice, which has been the biggest thing. The minute munching that J- Justin Hall has been doing uh, has been next level. Like, go look at it. I could look at it right now, but I, I don't feel like going. There's a lot of steps to find time on ice stats. Uh, but he's leading the Leafs in time on ice. I'm pretty sure he still is. Penalty kill time on ice for defensemen. He's off the top of that as well. Defensive zone starts. I'm pretty sure he's at the top of that as well. Like he's out there for all the hard, hard moments. And I've said this lots of times. And this is why I was calling you guys cowards for not giving him more credit in the comment <laughs> section last time. <laughs> Obviously, I was joking. You're not cowards. Uh, but um, I think that uh, I think his role this year has been really understated um, and really important. And uh, without him, I think the Leafs would be up the river a little bit. No, I full heartedly agree. I love it. I love what TJ Brody brings. Um, you know, this Leafs decor, I think there will be a move to shore it up top four wise in this decor. Um, I think you'll see it be Riley, Brody, and then Geo, insert name here, and then either Sandine Lilligren, Sandine, whoever down that way. Um, Justin Hall may even be bottom pair guy. Um, but I really think they're going to replace Justin Hall with someone. I don't want to say better because with someone who is top four caliber, yeah. we all can, we all can agree. Justin Hall is an NHL defenseman, but to me, he's a four five, six. His numbers stay otherwise in terms of time on ice. Uh, that's, that's my biggest thing. And here's the, the only thing I'll say in a little bit of combatants to that is I think Sheldon Keefe, adores this guy he does uh, and I, ha- I have a feeling that regardless of who they add le- even if they added a chicken level type of guy i think justin hall is in the lineup regardless i, I mm-hmm. feel like they're going to leave him in i think the third pair long term is geo and hall uh and then they figure out that second pair whether lillian jumps up with some new guy or sandine jumps up with some new guy i feel like one of those guys in the long run could be included in the deal to get one of those guys unfortunately because we love those two young guys so much, but I have a feeling that maybe a Sandine is in one of those trades, for example. Um, so I, I feel like uh, just, I don't think Justin Hall, as long as he is under contract with the organization, I don't think he's coming out of the lineup. I'm just saying. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's yeah. my, my opinion. I'm saying I, I just feel like that's the case. Well, I want to ask this final question to you guys tomorrow night going into Winnipeg, playing the Jets, big game. Obviously, Leafs and Jets, a little rivalry, a little history, a little bit of uh, let's goism. I think you're going to see Wayne Simmons in the lineup again. I think Jordy Ben will be in there. I think Dryden Hunt will be in there. Um, these guys are really going to probably bring the extra little brute to go in there against the Logan Stanleys of the world. And, you know, obviously Pierre-Luc Dubois or Pierre-Luc Defraud, whatever you want to call him. Neil Pionk. Uh, 
Neil Neil Greasy Pionk. Um, but it's going to be a game. I want to ask you guys, your heart of hearts, Sonar's probably starting between the pipes for the Leafs. Do the Leafs pick up the victory tomorrow night? This is a game where I think the Leafs, Winnipeg's been kind of hot as of late. So you want to pick up a victory against a team like that. I'm saying the Leafs go in there and they eke one out 3-2. What do you think? I think, well, my prediction before the, the week started was the Leafs are going to go 3-0 and this week. But they are coming off a loss for, in Montreal. Leafs are, I don't know, they're resting at home. I I tend to think Winnipeg's going to come out flying tomorrow. And we'll, we'll, we'll see because, uh, I mean, the Leafs are rested. They're at home. They tend to play a little sloppier at home, I've noticed. But uh, I, I'm going to go with the Leafs win, maybe 3-2 over time. Clarky, Yeah. Uh, the Jets played yesterday. They lost to the Canadians 4-1. Um, I think this is the start of a pretty long road trip for them. I think it's like five or six games. They were starting in Montreal. Then here, looks like they're going Ottawa, Philly, Nashville. Um, so this is just like kind of the start of all of that. For them, uh, yeah, I feel like, like you said, I think they're going to match the lineup accordingly for this one. Uh, it seems like that kind of game that they would do that. Uh, it seems like Simmons always gets Winnipeg, so good fit. Uh, and, yeah, I think uh, there was something about last game with Toronto, especially uh, the early parts of the Florida game, where I read a couple tweets that said, uh, this looks like a Leafs team that everybody has the flu. And uh, I think it's already been stated that a lot of guys have been sick. I think Sandine's out right now with sickness. Yeah, uh, I think Holmberg missed with an illness. Matthews might have missed with partially of an illness, might have been the injury, might have been illness. I think that could be the case. This happens like almost every January. I don't know why it is with Toronto. You could like with clockwork, you could like late January, early February, the whole team gets the flu um, every year. So this to me seems like a game where with the way that that Florida game ended, it seems like kind of a spark game. Uh, that could send the Leafs into a bit of a streak again. Like we see that earlier in the year when they were losing those games early, early. Uh, and then they had that one really good game and then it spent it sent them on a big streak. So the Florida game, the way it was, how physical it was, how kind of controversial it was, how heated it was. Uh, and then they ended up winning it with a sexy goal by Willie. Uh, I feel like I feel like that could be the type of game that sends them on a bit of a streak. Uh, yeah. So if I were to say, what's going to happen. I have a feeling that they might come out flying in this one. Uh, Pete, you said it like they kind of play sloppy at home. And I totally agree with you. Um, I think that's a, it's a weird thing at home with them. Uh, but I feel like this one might be a, a streak starter, the Florida game. So I'm going to say, I'm just going to be uh, a little bit uh, expressively biased here and say, I think the Leafs are going to crush them. I have, a, I have a good feeling about it. I think they're going to come out hot. I'm just going to be like a six, one type of game. They're going to, Rub it in their faces. Jordy Ben's going to come out, rub it in their faces. Dryden Hunt's going to have a, a beauty of a game. That type, type of game that I, I think we it. all galvanize each other over. I think we're all going to get excited it. about this one. Clark, Clark, one more question, though. You're not – what's your prediction for Saturday's game? Because they're playing at the Bell Center. Oh, man. They'll probably lose that one. <laughs> you think so, eh? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's, 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 uh, it's a trap game for sure because of the way Montreal's yeah. been playing and yeah. stuff. But uh, – it's Hockey Night in Canada at the Bell Center. I, I don't think there's many reasons not to get up for that one. So I, I think depending on what happens tomorrow, uh, maybe my answer will change. But I think they'll be able to – they'll play well at that one as well. And I think once everybody's getting healthy out of this illness too, I feel like that have, plays a huge role. Uh, and I feel like uh, – do you guys remember like getting sick back in the day and when, when, you, when you were not sick anymore, you just felt so much better going into those games? I feel like they, it might be kind of getting into that point with – everybody being sick and maybe getting better uh, where it could just like take off for a couple of weeks here. So I'm hoping that's the case. I'm hoping they go on a run. I'm hoping, I'm hoping last night was a little bit of the galvanizing thing where they all came up for one another. Matthews, like I said, with the crowd stuff, boys yeah, flying yeah. in guys standing up to Rackle Gudis, like Zach Aston Reese, you know, really just doing what needs to get done. And not only that, a comeback win too, picking up Murray who needed the help, all those things. Willie Nylander got off the schneid. I think it was five games without a goal. Picked up two, got the assist. All those things. Matthew scoring in three straight. I think Winnipeg needs to look out. I and Montreal. Zach, if you're watching, 
Dance bet. Let's go. <laughs> there we go. Dance. Well, we have yet to see that, James. I can't wait for the your dance video to come out. I think Mario's I'm in the trying to get you guys to pick one for me. Mario told me to pick one. If I picked one, it would one? be the boot scoogie boogie dance where I move one foot and say, that's it. So I want one that's got some difficulty to it. Okay. Good for you, man. So let's. if I'm going to lose, I want to lose in glory and look you like are, an absolute you, fool, not just a little... Don't forget about our bet as well before the season um, that the Red Wings weren't going to make the playoffs. They are. You remember that one, right? The Red Wings are making the playoffs. <laughs> you guys made another bet over the last episode too, a spicy pepper bet. Yep. I, could, I forgot about that. What okay. was that one for again? I can't even remember. <laughs> I forget completely. <laughs> I got to listen, listen back. Yeah, go back. I'm <laughs> gonna write these down. Yeah, no, I can't. I uh, can't wait. But ladies and gentlemen, we got the Winnipeg Jets. We got the Montreal Canadiens. This Wednesday night, we got producer Clark with us, hanging out on offsides. Absolutely awesome. You've hung around for over an hour. I appreciate you, Andy Ashton. I know we uh, more than served your drive to work here, my friend. Appreciate you always listening. Appreciate Tricky Traco holding down the TikTok crowd. Love it. But this right here, this is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey. Come to talk.